God bless you. Ephesians 4, praise the Lord. Um, I want you to read with me, if you would, verses 1 through 6. And let's get right into the Word of God, shall we? Look with me, if you would. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. This is our spiritual food for today. Those six verses. And what I'd like to do is take just a moment and share with you some things that God... This is kind of a standalone sermon. I preach very few of these. For the most part... I preach series of messages, and that's what we've been in uh, for the past nine or ten weeks as we've been going through Revelation. But this is kind of a message that finishes off that series, if you will. It's not in Revelation, but I think it speaks of the true, relevant meaning of the way we need to look at uh, these end times. And, and what, does, what, what kind of days are we living in? And what is God calling us to as believers and as a church. And that's what I want you to be thinking about this morning as we study God's word together. That's what we're going to do, all right? Here we go. Verse 1. Notice again it says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. Let's stop right there for just a moment and think about that Paul was in prison. This is one of his prison epistles. And so he is in prison when he is writing this. Many and most of Paul's writings were done while he was in prison. He'd been preaching the gospel. He was in prison for being obedient to the Lord. God told him, hey, I want you to preach the gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed to preach the gospel. It's the power given to me. Uh, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it with, 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 if it costs me my life. I'm going to preach the gospel. And Paul did preach the gospel and found himself under arrest many times for preaching the gospel. You know, sometimes obedience to God doesn't really take you to a great place. Think about that. Sometimes obedience to God doesn't really take you to a great place. Sometimes I wonder if we as Christians kind of have it wrong. Well, you know, I'm serving the Lord. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. But I find myself, yeah, me too. In prison, under attack, with some sort of struggle. You see, when you're obedient to God, it's more likely you're going to find yourself in a tough place than in a real good place where everything's just peachy keen. Are you with me? Paul is a prisoner of the Roman government. Is that what it says? Well, is that what it says? Paul is a prisoner of the demons and devils of hell. Is that what it says? No. It says Paul is a prisoner of the Lord. Paul said, hey, I'm in jail because of the Lord. I, I love the Lord. I'm doing what God wants me to do. I'm not subject to the Roman government. I'm not subject to the demons and devils of hell. God knows where I am. God knows what's going on. God has ordained this and everything's okay. How cool is that? 
The next time you find yourself in a strait, in a problem, in a situation that you honestly don't understand because you're being obedient, just stop and say like Paul did, the Lord's with me. I'm a prisoner of the Lord. Man, I love that. Don't you love that? I just love the fact that Paul said it just like that. Then he goes on to say, I beseech you. I'm a prisoner of the Lord. I beseech you. Now, whenever you see the words beseech, you can, you can, uh, you, you can almost replace that word with a, with a word that we would use today, uh, the word beg or urge. I, I beg you. I urge you. Are you with me? Beseech is, is, a, is an old English word. We don't use it in our language today very often, if, if at all. But that, that to me, it, it, it hits home more when we think about the, the actual meaning of that word. I'm begging you that ye walk. Now, just think with me for a minute about that word walk. Because Paul is saying, you know, I, I, I'm a prisoner of the Lord and I'm begging you to walk worthy. Now, to walk means this. It's, you know, sometimes we, we look at our walk with God. We talk about walking the narrow road, right? We, we talk about walking, following Christ. Walking with God is a long obedience in the right direction. It's not some sort of a little offering. It's not a short period of time. To be honest with you, to walk worthy is to walk for your entire life. It's a long walk in the right direction. It's obedience. You see, you don't get where you need to go all at once. It's a process. Some say, preacher, well, man, I wish we, our church would know now what it knew, uh, 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 knew then rather what it knows now. I wish we could have done this 20 years ago. Impossible. You can't get where you are without going through stuff. You don't just say, you know, sometimes I I don't think we understand, church, that where we're going to be 20 years from now, if the Lord tarries, is, is, is way down the road. We're going to keep walking. We're going to keep obedience to Christ. We're not going to stay somewhere stuck in something. That's not what God wants. He wants us to keep walking, to keep walking, to keep walking, to keep walking in obedience. Follow Him. You can't get there without walking and going through a lot of stuff. And Paul says here, I want you to keep on walking, worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. So we're called to something. What are we called to? What is God calling you and I to? Well, look at verse number two and three. It tells us lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep, here it is, the unity of the Spirit. That's what we're called to. We're called to unity. What has the devil attacked in the body of Christ more than any other thing? Unity. He's destroyed the unity of believers worldwide. I just came to Singa- from Singapore, and I can tell you, Chantha is not the only church in Singapore. There's a lot of churches. There's mega churches over there doing a great work for God. Brothers and sisters in Christ. And yet, we have found, even in America, as we've, as we've embraced as a church family other churches in our community, as we've looked on a national scale and realized 
we're living in these in the end times and, and, and Christianity is becoming something that is not popular in America. We have become a mission field. They're sending missionaries now to our country to reach our people. Why? Because churches can't get along. Churches can't come together for any great cause anymore because of all of the issues. And yet God says we are called to unity. This is a bond of relationship. God's Spirit is trying to build unity among us. God wants His kids to get along. Hey, you ever, ever thought about that? You know, what, what's the greatest thing as a parent you would like for your kids to do? Think about it. Anybody ever had to do this driving down the road? Hey, cut that out. Get along. Quit hitting each other. Am I the only parent? Yeah, thank you. Sometimes we just have to scold our children for, for not getting along. You know what we want more than anything? For our kids to be best friends. Don't we? Can, somebody, can I get an amen right there? I want my son, I want Zoe to, to, to love Chloe and Chloe to love Zoe so much that they're inside, they just love one another. They're for one another. I love it that Mo and Joe are serving God together. I want my children's best friends to be each other. That's what God wants for his children. He wants all of his children to be close, to love one another. The heart of Jesus longs for unity within his body. He wants his children to get along. The most common biblical imagery for the, for the work that, that God is, refers to here in Ephesians 4, the most common word is the word body. God refers to his family as a body. In John chapter 17, in verse number 11, it says this, And now I'm no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. He's speaking about his disciples. This is the prayer Jesus prayed just before he died. Just before he went to Calvary. He said, God, I want my boys, I want these men, I want these guys to be one as we are one. Notice at verse 20, he says, neither I pray for these alone. You see that up there? But for who? Anybody could read that word? Neither pray I be for these alone, but for them. Very good. wonder who's, who's them. Yeah. He said, no, it was just the ones back in the Bible days. No, no, that's everybody who, who calls the name of Jesus Christ their Savior. Who, everyone who, who believes God is their Heavenly Father. Everyone, for them. I pray for all of them, God, in the history of the world. I pray for everybody also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one." God, the world is going to believe that you have sent me if they are one. 
If the churches love one another, if my people, which are called by my name, love one, if they're one, if they, if, if they come together, wow. I really believe Scripture's pretty clear about this. God wants us to have oneness. You know, the greatest thing that my wife and I can have in our marriage is oneness. We are one. And the, and the more we understand oneness, that, that, that no longer are we two different people, we, are, we, we belong to one another. God wants us to understand that. God wants it in a church between church members, oneness. God wants it in a community amongst churches, oneness. To accomplish this, we got to understand something because there's a lot of questions, right? Going through your mind. Because Amos 3.3 says, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? I mean, we can't wait. If, if, uh, if Joe and I, or Zoe, stand up for a second, Zoe. Okay, there's a door, and there's a door, and... And so we're trying to agree. And I say, Joe, hey, uh, Zoe, rather, I'm sorry, Joe. Zoe, hey, uh, let's, let's go serve the Lord together. Come on, let's go. Yo, wait, hey, wait, wait. <laughs> Come back here. Wait, wait, wait. Hey, Zoe, let, let's serve the Lord together, okay? Let's go. All right, come on. Yo. How's this going to work? And so I want to talk to you for just a few moments about that. Because unity is based on agreement. And so the problem is it's tough to know what we are supposed to be unified about, right? I mean, that's the challenge that I have. What we do know is that Jesus wants unity, but, but how do we actually, what are the things we need to agree on? Because unity is based on, in Scripture, doctrinal agreement. What are the things that are worth taking a stand for, and what are the things that we can agree to disagree on? Can we know if, is there a list in the Bible? Is there some way we could, we could find it? Is God clear on this? Yes! So let me give you, quickly, seven things we must have to live in unity together, starting in verse 4, seven non-negotiables for unity. Number one, there is one body. There is one body. This is not something we can agree to disagree about. Are you with me? You say, preacher, what do you mean one, one body? Well, there's one group of people that are called Christians. Now, church, what I'm saying would probably get me killed in some countries. Maybe one day in America. But for now, I'm going to stand and, and, and preach the truth unashamedly. There's only one group of people in the world who are really Christians. There's only one way to God. Everybody in God's family got there the same way. And it's through what Sonia was singing about with the group this morning, through the personal faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness, for the forgiveness of their sins because of the blood that was shed on Calvary. That is the only way... To be in the body. So when I 
get in the body. There's one body. So here I am in the body. Maybe I'm the finger, and maybe you're the toe, and maybe somebody's the leg, and somebody's the arm, right? But who's the head? Jesus. Jesus is the head. And the head wants the rest of the body to get along. I mean, if my hand starts hitting my face, I got issues. <laughs> right? That dude's crazy, man. Why in the world would he hit himself in the face? I got the same question. Why would I do that? Yet many Christians do. Many Christians in church, the hand just hits the face. And the leg kicks somebody else. And in the, in the body of Christ, many of the parts of the body are not getting along. But the head wants the body to cooperate. I believe we're becoming that in Hot Springs, Arkansas. That's what's unique about what's going on in this city. That's what's great right now about living in this city. I'm going to tell you right now, God is bringing God's people together. It's unusual. It is insane. It's, it's awesome. I mean, I go places and talk about this, and they look at me like I'm crazy. How are you doing this? Insane. You mean you've got, you, you, you know, a guy is actually another denomination, or a guy actually is another member of another church or another Baptist church? Yeah, and, and we get together, and we pray, and we love one another. No way. We had a visitor come to one of the prayer meetings about three weeks ago. True story. We're in the prayer meeting. We're praying. No, I'm sorry. We weren't praying yet. We were sharing prayer requests. We talk about 10 minutes and then we pray for 50. And so this, this visitor, the, the, the leader of the, I think it was at Steve Lakes, I think at Eureka, and he says, okay, guys, let's pray. Thank you for coming and sharing. Let's, let's, let's go to Lord Prayer. So we all, traditionally, we gather around the pastor of that church and we pray, about 30 of us. This dude stands up. Excuse me. Wait a minute, guys. I can't, I can't, I can't go any longer. True story, John. You've done this a couple times. <laughs> I love it. I can't, I gotta say something. He goes, guys, do you realize how strange this is? He says, I'm from, and he named the city he's from. He said, I just moved here. I've been living in my city for, 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 for 25 years, and, 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 and all I could ever get together were like two pastors. We never could get together. And I'm looking at 30 guys in a city of 35,000? This is unbelievable. Do you guys realize how amazing this is? And we're all, wow, they've been doing this for a few months. We, I think we all forgot. I think God's pleased with that. He's pleased with that. You know, there's immense diversity in the body of Christ. Did you know that? Not everybody's the same. Not every church is the same. Nothing is worse, though, than the arrogance that says we are the remnant. Nothing is more prideful than someone to say, we're the ones that are right. Watch out for those people. The body of Christ is an, is an incredible thing, and it is worldwide. I just came from Singapore, and I found out there's churches in Singapore preaching the gospel, along with Chantha, churches that have been a better support to him than Baptist churches back in the States, churches that are rallying around him. Hey, I'm simply saying, we are not the only ones. We're just one little body on planet Earth splattered on Garland Street in Hot Springs. There's a world out there of believers that love us, that we're going to be in heaven with forever. 
Yes. One body. Number two, there's one spirit. There's one spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. That's all I need, Ken. One spirit baptized into one body. How cool is that? That's talking about the Holy Spirit. One spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You are not a saved apart from the Holy Spirit. He draws us to Christ. The new birth comes about through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He convicts. That's a non-negotiable. We are not here to negotiate whether the Trinity is true or not. That is a non-negotiable. There is a Spirit of God. He convicts sinners. He is real and living in this building this morning. We believe you're not saved by works, but rather you're saved by grace through the Spirit of God who convicts us of our sin and brings us to a place of repentance. There's one body, one spirit. There's one hope. Do you see it there? One body, one spirit, even as you're called, one hope. What is that one hope? Well, the only one hope in the church. It is not Washington, D.C. Amen. It is not the church. It is not this man or that man. It is, according to Titus chapter 2 and verse 13, this. Looking for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The one hope is that Jesus Christ is coming again. He is returning. Hallelujah for that. The hope of the church is the personal, visible, bodily return of Jesus Christ. That is a non-negotiable. We're not going to fellowship with people who don't believe that. Next, number four. There's one Lord. Anybody want to guess who that is? Jesus. Jesus. Hopefully you knew that. If you didn't, then this morning you can accept Christ as Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Can, can everybody say that that believes it with me? One, two, three. Amen. Don't be ashamed of that. That is a good thing to believe. <laughs> Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the head. He is the commander in chief. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And we are not seeking unity with those who do not believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. Doesn't mean we won't be kind. Doesn't mean we won't. Can't work with them in the business world. But we're not seeking unity with churches. Are you with me? Who do not believe this. Let me give you some writings from their own documents. Mormon documents. When we recall that the God of Mormon eschatology is for man to attain Godhood, we conclude that the Christ of Mormonism is a far cry from the Christ of Scripture. Neither his divinity nor his incarnation are unique. So we're not seeking unity with those who believe that. We're going to be kind. We can be friends. We're not seeking unity. The Mormons aren't coming to the prayer gathering. Because they don't believe Jesus Christ is Lord. Jehovah's Witnesses. And I quote, Since Christ while on earth was not God and not a person, not a spirit person, but only a man, we may say that the difference between Christ and the 144,000 is not one of a kind, but only of a degree. 
In other words, Jesus Christ was just really a good man. But that's all. We're not seeking unity with people that believe that. Christian science, which is very popular in Hollywood, if you don't know that. Quote, this is very important to the understanding of Christian science. Christ is not a person, but merely an idea. I have a problem with that. And I'm not seeking unity with people that don't agree on this. Jesus Christ is Lord. He's Lord. Next, there's one faith. In biblical terms, faith is the gospel. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 9 says this. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you that ye have received, let him be accursed. One gospel. If any man preaches another gospel, let him be accursed. Church, we must not mess with the gospel. Don't mess with the plan of salvation. That's not something we need to change. That's not something we need to have an opinion about. That's something we need to get together and say, well, I believe this about how you get to heaven. Well, I believe this about how you get to heaven. We got issues. There's only one way to heaven. There's only one faith, and it's the gospel, which is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's one faith. Acts 4.12, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One baptism. There's only one baptism that we find in Scripture. And the Bible says, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation and then follow him in baptism. So we don't baptize infants here. The Bible says there's one baptism. It's a biblical baptism. You'll not find any babies being baptized in water in Scripture. Not one place will you find that in the Bible. Not one place. There's one baptism, and that must be important to God because he said it. it's a non-negotiable. One baptism. And then finally, number seven, one God and Father of all. Verse six, who is above all and through all and in you all. How cool is that? God is sovereign over all. Amen? God is in control. What we just did in praying over our sister Chris is we recognize, God, you're sovereign. You know all things. You know Chris's condition. You know where the tumor is. You are in her. You are over her. You are around her. You're sovereign, God. So we're just going to trust you, God, our Father, overall. Now, these are seven non-negotiables of unity. Seven non-negotiables. Now, here comes the question. What about churches that agree with us on these seven things but differ from us on other matters? Well, some churches we can have fellowship with. Some churches we can have closer fellowship with. But we can have fellowship with every church that believes these seven things. If they believe these seven things, you say, well, yeah, but, but, but they, 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 the music program's a little different. It doesn't say one music. Yeah, but I, they, they got pews and, and they got chairs. It doesn't say one type of sitting arrangement. 
But they do Sunday school and they do small group. It doesn't say Sunday school or small. It just it doesn't say that. There's seven non-negotiables. Now, you say, yeah, but I know this church preacher that agrees with us on this and this and this. Now, they don't agree with us on this, but most of these other little itty-bitty non-important things, they agree with. Maybe we can have a little closer fellowship with them, right? I mean, the more we agree, the more, right? Maybe the closer we could be, yes. I think there's degrees of closeness. That's okay. I mean, I, anybody got closer friends than other friends? Yeah. Sure, that's okay. But everybody who believes these seven things, we can fellowship with. What about Christians that we worship with? What about how do we, how do we go to the same church together? And, and, and believe maybe a little differently about non essentials, but we agree on these seven things. Well, let's see in closing how we do this. Look at verse 2 and 3. This is how we do it, and we'll close. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Wow. Wow, God. That's what you got to do to be together, to have unity. That's the things I have to do to make sure my wife and I stay one. That's the things I have to do to make sure that I don't leave gospelite after 22 years. God, I don't agree with this church and everything. Some of them don't like me as much as I like them. And some of them, I don't like as much as they like me. But God, you know, I've been here 22 years. How have I stayed here? How have you stayed in this church? Number one, humility. That's what lowliness means. Your ESV Bible would say humility. I, I think it's a, 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 a little better translation to understand. Because see, the word humility is, is used 100 times in Scripture. And so lowliness is humility. It's the opposite of pride and arrogance. Humility means this. I'm going to give up my opinions for unity. I've got my opinions, but I'm going to give those up to stay. Let me show you a couple verses. Philippians 2, 3, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better. Better than themselves. Let me give you another one. Finally, be all, be all of one mind, having compassion, one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. Be courteous. Oh, no, it's okay. I, I'd rather do it another way, but that's okay, whatever. No, it's good. It's, I promise. I'm good. Listen, hey, it's okay. I'm okay. We're, we're good on the big seven. We're good on the big seven. We can be a little different there. I love you, bro. I can't imagine not being together with you. Humility. By the way, it's not natural to have humility in our fallen condition, isn't it? Number two, with all meekness. A good word there is gentleness. That's in verse two. Gentleness is the ability to clothe your strength with, with consideration for others. It's just meekness. It's, 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 it's just an ability to say in a gentle way, in, in the right tone, you know what? I don't, you know, I, 
I don't prefer that, but it's really not a big deal. Gentleness. Then patience. With all patience. I think the, the word here in our King James is the word long-suffering. But we use the word patience today. Most of us don't say be long-suffering. We'll say be patient. So I'm using the word patient just so our crowd can, can really understand. God is teaching us here Patience is the ability to keep anger at a distance. Anybody ever have anger sneak up on you and you just want to blow up? I just want to blow up. I love you. I wish I could hit you right now, but I'm not. And we don't even say that. All that's kept inside. We're struggling. Anger's coming on us, but you know what we do? We go, Lord, how many times could you have crushed me? God, how many times have you given me long-suffering? God, how many times have I needed you to forgive me? How many times, God, have you been patient with me? How many times have I gotten on your nerves? And yet, God, you love me. Patient. Aren't you glad God's been patient with you? Then let's be patient with others. Patience. We must be patient with new believers. Give them time to change. And then finally, with all forbearance. Forbearance means giving up my conclusions about other people for the sake of unity. You know what forbearance literally means? Sonia, it literally means to put up with. <laughs> How do you like that? So you got to put up with me. Actually, I have to put up with you, I think. No, I'm just kidding. Dave's all, amen. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Not true. Sometimes we just got to say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a little forbearance here. I'm just going to put up with it. It's not a big deal. It's tolerating something. Get this. I don't have it in your notes. Tolerating something unpleasant to me for the sake of unity. That's forbearance. Tolerating something unpleasant to me for unity. That's literally what that word means. It's a fantastic concept. That we all need from each other. Now let me close. How do we, need, how do, we do all this? Because I don't know how to do it. Do you know how to do it? It's tough. I mean, keeping the unity is tough. No wonder churches split. No wonder the body of Christ is so... De- no wonder the dude stands up and says, I can't believe this. Do you guys know I've been living in a town for 25 years and all I can get is two guys together? No wonder everybody's pulling their hair out saying, this is crazy. Christians can't get along all over the world. We've got our little denominations. We've got our little groups. We've got our little cliques. We're constantly pointing fingers and criticizing at everybody. And we agree on the big seven. How do we do this? Look at verse 2. With all lowliness, meekness, and long-suffering, forbearing one another, number one, in love. We do it all in love. You know why we can do it in love? 1 Corinthians 13. Love beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Love never fails. Just read 1 Corinthians 13. That's how you do it. Love just says, I love you no matter what. I love you when it's not easy to love you. I love you when it's easy to love you. I love you when you agree. I love you when you don't agree. Hey, we're going to get through this. Why? I love you. I love you. And you love me. We're in this thing together. And then number, number, number next. 
First word of verse 3, endeavoring. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. You know what that word endeavoring means? It's a big word for work. (laughs) Endeavoring, or just work. Work at it. Work at it. It is not easy. I've got to give in, and I don't like to give in. I've got to put up with, and I've got to work at this, and I'm constantly working at this. I'm Listen, that's why sometimes pastors don't stay very long at churches. I just looked it up. The average pastor stays at a church 2.3 years, two years, three months. I got that sucker beat by 20 years. I got it beat by 20. I'm bringing up the national average. And there's two reasons why that hadn't been easy. You ready? And I'll close. The first reason why it hadn't been easy to stay is because I've been a real jerk sometimes and a lousy pastor, and you probably need to get rid of me. And the second reason that it's hard is because sometimes you're a jerk and a lousy church member. Come on now. I threw myself under the bus first. We're all in this thing together, aren't we? We're a bunch of misfits. We're a bunch of people that are just really sometimes just not all that great. But somehow we just keep loving each other and working at this thing. And so we're still here. I'm still here. I I don't really think I want to go anywhere unless you kick me out. And hopefully you won't kick me out because you think sometimes you need to be kicked out. and We'll all be good. Honestly, that's really what it boils down to. Love and work. And we'll keep the unity. Father, thank you so much for the church, for our church.